From Brooklyn, New York, I'm Adam Teeter. From Connecticut, I'm Erica Ducey. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Chabal. And this is the Vine Pair Podcast. And guys, we are now in week five, which is crazy. Uh, almost at the end of week five. Some people were saying there's like a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, I'm starting to hear certain dates people are putting out there. Germany's going to start opening up their country again next week, which is insane to think about. How are, how are you guys holding up in uh, in your sheltering in place this week? I'm actually having a pretty good week, I have to say. I've, <laughs> good. I've gone I've gone through waves. Last week was a pretty terrible week. It was just not a great mental health week. I felt like it was it was pretty challenging. It was just all sort of down down news. But I feel like. There, you know, I and I've talked with a lot of people on the podcast uh, and, and some upcoming episodes that will be coming out. And I do think that uh, I'm hearing a lot about innovation and ideas and silver linings. And I think that, you know, I'm hoping that in the next couple of weeks, we can start to have some ideas around, you know, turning the corner on this and some some good news. But that that's to say that, you know, it's it's up sometimes down sometimes. So hanging in there. Yeah, I think that's about as, as apt a description as I'm able to come up with. I, I would say, you know, the other thing for me that that's been true over the last, I don't know, maybe it's been the last week or so, is that I've been really struck by how how used to this new way of living I've become. In in that, like the first couple of weeks, it was just, oh my god, I miss all these things that I used to be able to do. I miss seeing friends and family. I miss going out to restaurants. I'm you know, all these various things. And, and now it's very funny. Um, you know, we just, uh, we, we were just, I was just talking to my wife about, you know, this sort of like, okay, what do we do first when like we could go do something out of the house? And it was so, such an alien thought at this point that I was like, I don't even know what, like, I guess go to a park with our kid and like see friends who have a kid and I, it was just it, it's become so you know in this m- little over a month for for me uh it's become this sort of thing that i'm just so i feel so used to at this point that it's like it's very weird and i'm a very extroverted person normally and i like to go out and do stuff and it was just so strange to kind of start to think about you know if that light at the end of the tunnel that you mentioned uh is is coming along like what is that what am i even gonna do and and I, i'm not sure <laughs> like like I, I might just stay in my house a little longer just you know because i don't know what else to do oh god well i don't know it's funny yes last week i was good this week i'm like more just like not as good <laughs> um definitely like it's it's starting to, to to weigh on me more um it was weird like yesterday the park near my apartment was a lot less full and like it's never been so full that i've been nervous about being like taking a walk through it with naomi but like it was like oddly less full at the time when it usually is like it used to be like for the last few weeks people would be out there like from 5 30 to like 7 right so it's like everyone had shut off their zooms closed their computers and like decided to go outside for an hour and a half or so and like this week it seemed like less and less people were in the park and the weather is still it's a little cooler but still nice and we were trying to figure out like why and we're like and it was like i think it's just people are starting to be hit by this like whole weight of the the you know we don't it's been so long you know, and maybe they're just like, you know, fuck it. I'm just staying inside. And so that's kind of hit me this week. And I was like, God, I got to get out of this. Like all I really want, like, it's really weird. The one thing I've been craving more than anything else, this is going to make cat very happy is, is a draft beer. Mm. Uh, Like I can make good cocktails at home. I have a pretty good selection of wine, but like, I really don't have a draft system. Like I just want to (laughs) go, to a bar and get 
a really good beer on draft. That's all mm. like, you know what I mean? There's just something about that, that I'm like, that's something that I miss. And I didn't do it all the time before this, but like when I did it, it was always great. And now I'm just like, that's all, like, that's all I can think about. <laughs> like, yeah. like, all I can think about. The thing I miss is being able to tell someone else, yes, I would like this to be able to turn my attention <laughs> from from whatever that thing is, and then to have it show up in front of me you know, <laughs> two to five minutes later, and and it's like I am the I am the the by and large the bartender in the house, the sommelier in the house, and and when and where appropriate, I guess the person who opens the beers in the house, and so it's like not that I mind, but it is this weird thing that I do miss of like yeah I'll have a Manhattan, and instead of saying I'll have a Manhattan and then going and making a Manhattan. <laughs> I used to be able to say, I'll have a Manhattan, and then a Manhattan would just magically appear in front of me. Exactly. And I do miss that. I miss like, that happened? sort of like, yeah. But, you know, I mean, I guess in, if that's my if that's the thing I miss, I, I suppose I, I am uh, uh, fortunate in all this. I think you yeah. are, yeah. It is funny, though, because have you guys used delivery uh, yet? Because I don't know why, but, like, we haven't. Um, we've really been cooking everything. And the friends of mine who have used delivery have said it at least is, like, that one – like respite from us like oh like one night someone made the food and it wasn't me <laughs> you know yeah. or like did the did the cocktails but we haven't done it have you guys oh yeah i've had i've done pizza a couple times i mean now we're out in connecticut and there's not that much delivery so we've done pizza and we've done a, a barbecue night a barbecue delivery and that i swear barbecue never tasted so good <laughs> Uh, yeah all I want is someone I mean and I've got two kids too so I'm you know cooking and my husband's cooking everyone is cooking all the time and the amount of dishes shocking full-time eaters in a house never realized there were so many dishes oh yeah I use I've been I've been running the dishwasher daily which is really really weird for me I'm sort of anti-dishwasher from a dispositional standpoint but but it's gotten to the point we're just with two adults and a not quite two-year-old in the house we're we're going we're running a load almost every day uh and it, it is wild I haven't done any delivery uh like you Adam I've I've just sort of been like I'm gonna cook everything but it it has been creeping up in the mind for both uh, my wife and I because there are a few things like barbecue for example that I don't make at home uh, not having a smoker or whatever and so uh it, we, there are a few things that we've been craving that that it, it haven't been able to have yet. And so I think we're probably going to go down that road uh, probably in the next uh, few days, frankly. So I think we're going to have to do it too. I mean, like, I don't know what else I'm going to do. <laughs> At some point, I'm just going to have to get some delivery because I'm getting sick of cooking dinner every night. Um, so our, our uh, you know, subject for today's podcast is, you know, one of the the groups of people that we have talked about a little bit, but we haven't focused on fully in this entire podcast since the coronavirus for probably the last five weeks, and that's the the smaller producers, right? So we would call them in beer like the small craft producers, the small craft distillers, um, the small wine producers. And, and I know as we mentioned before, these are a lot of the times people that are getting hit harder because a lot of their um, you know their focus has been on on premise for so long, right? It's the, building a brand on premise. Uh, you know, seems to be a little bit easier. It's better spend of your dollars, right? You can get a you know a few cases in, and then it gets moved for you. Um, you know, some some brands would disagree with that and say that like they you know they went off premise and now are thinking that that was the great strategy. But for the majority of like smaller brands, most wind up focusing on on premise before focusing on off premise. So a lot of them are hurting very badly right now. Um, whether that's because kegs aren't being purchased, obviously. Or, you know, their wines aren't being taken in or their, you know, their spirits aren't being used in cocktails. So we want to talk a little bit about like why, you know, how we can support those brands right now. 
um, and also sort of the nature of like what could be coming next for them. Like what's the, what's the outlook look like for a lot of these smaller brands? Zach, I know you have thoughts. <laughs> I do have thoughts. Yeah. So I think this is a really fascinating question. And, and in interviewing a few people for the, the COVID-19 conversation series that we've been doing and just talking to other people throughout the industry, I think you're, you're already seeing a, a bit of a divergence between those three categories, between beer, wine, and spirits. The wine people I've talked to are, I would say, a little less concerned in general, in part because, you know, wine by its nature is not a particularly perishable item. And while some of them are definitely concerned about cash flow, uh, and that's obviously a real consideration, there are enough that I've spoken to who feel like, you know, if worst case scenario means that they're stripping down their sort of staffing, you know, they're, they're not obviously having tasting rooms open, which means that they've probably, you know, laid off or furloughed or, or, or sort of reassigned people who might be working in tasting rooms. They are probably not working, interfacing with distributors very much, but they might be doing more direct to consumer sales, They might, which is obviously the most profitable outlet for them. They might be doing more uh, delivery or, or online ordering in general. And and uh, most of them I've spoken to say, well, you know, for the most part, besides maybe things like rosé, which is really seasonal and very kind of needs to be consumed relatively young for in most cases, their product can hold and they might in three, six, nine months be okay sort of unloading more of that product. And if it means that they take lower margins at that point, that might be okay for them. Beer, though, I mean, beer is to me the place where we're seeing the, the most issue right away. If yeah. you're not a brand that has a strong packaging uh, portfolio so you're not canning and bottling and you're just a small craft brewery that's that's relying on you know tap room sales and you know brew pub or you know restaurant sales you are probably already basically uh, close to the end unfortunately or you're having to pivot really quickly and and just you're right Adam you know you mentioned when we were talking when we were talking earlier you know no one has an at-home draft system so it's no. not even like even if you really love a brewery you know your capacity to take in much of their inventory is just so limited and you can't you know how many cans and bottles are you going to buy a lot of beer is not super long-lived in terms of its shelf life and and it's just you know that beer is kind of I think the the most precarious and, and that's that's my read on it at least I think spirits are probably closer to wine um, in terms of their their shelf life but but they're also the thing that in a lot of states are much harder you know even still for people to get their hands on and frankly people drink a lot more wine and beer than they do hard alcohol it's just yeah. you know most people are not going to drink a cocktail or two every single day some will you know we might <laughs> but a lot of people just won't I think do a lot that. of people are at this point <laughs> well maybe so <laughs> but yeah I, you know, I was, I think that, uh, actually craft distillers, um, you know, I've talked to some people and, uh, one of the episodes I have coming up is with Brian, uh, Rosen from Bevstrat. And that's a company that represents uh, a lot of small distilleries and they kind of work as a sales and marketing arm to get them placed in restaurants, retail, et cetera. And one of the points that, that he made, I think is, is really true, which is small distillers, you know, these independent guys, they, they are lacking, the kind of financing they need to get to get through months of lost revenue. So a lot of these places, you know, they're relying on the public tastings and tours. They are expecting that they're going to have restaurant sales, and that's a huge part of their business. Um, and with all of that closed and liquor stores um, being their really only outlet at this point, that they are not able to probably a lot of them bridge this gap of many potential months of uh, lost wages uh, of lost income and um, and and 
a lot of them also are pivoting to uh, help make hand sanitizer and so forth. So, you know, it's it's a huge amount of business disruption, I think, across the three tiers. But I, I think distillers will also be pretty hard hit. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest issue for a lot of them, the distillers and craft beer especially, as Zach was saying, is that for them too, like, first of all, most people haven't gotten the PPP that was supposed to come, right? So the money as of we're, as recording today on April 16th has run out. So we'll wait and see if Congress is able to re-up that funding. Um, but, you know, what a lot of them have said to me is like, all that's doing is allowing them for two and a half months to hire people back, right? To do who knows what. It's just to put people back on their payroll. But it's not covering or helping them cover all the losses that they're making and all the lost uh, you know, sales of products, food, et cetera, if they if they had a restaurant. And then if they don't open for the next two and a half months, they're basically back to square one, which is zero revenue again and trying to figure out what the hell they do. Um, and it's it's crazy, right? So and the big question becomes like how are these people going to survive and what what does the path forward look like because i think for a lot of these places it's it's dire because for some of these smaller producers especially on the beer and distilling side like you said they're they're basically half a lot of them are half restaurants half tap rooms half small brands right because a lot of times the law allows for that and so right now they're not able to get a lot of their products out there i would say like one of the best ways hopefully is for us to really lobby congress Right. I think like we need to basically start contacting our congressional leaders and say, you need to do more to support these industries, right? Like these are vital industries to the communities, uh, especially in terms of the, of the breweries, right? We talk about them a lot as being local gatherings for, you know, families and friends, et cetera. They kind of become places where it's acceptable to bring young kids at some points during the day and you can get together with people and like they need help. And the only real way I can see that is through law. And so I think a lot of that's going to have to start happening really soon is like we need to start calling our elected officials and saying, what are you doing to help? Yeah. And I think one of the big uh, points to emphasize here is, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, in, in the past on the podcast, you know, kind of how people are still drinking, you know, people are still obviously having wine and beer and, and spirits at home. But one of the big things that's changed, and, and I know that we've talked about this, um, and it's in, as Erica mentioned, in some upcoming episodes of the COVID-19 conversations, is a lot of that drinking has really shifted to some of the, the most well-known brands. Mm-hmm. I mean, those were always obviously the dominant brands in the marketplace, but it's even more extreme now than it used to be. In part because, as I mentioned before, some of these smaller producers just have no real way to get their product in front of uh, even consumers who want it. But but a lot of it, too, is just uh, so many of us are what we do and, and access is so circumscribed by what the grocery store near us happens to carry or what the delivery service in our area happens to stock. And we have so much less agency than we're used to. And that's why I think Adam's advice on on talking to your congressional representation and your state um, government as, as appropriate is, is really good advice. Because unfortunately, this is one of the few times that I can really think of, maybe the only time I can think of where you can't do what, what I often encourage people to do um, in these situations otherwise, which is sort of vote with your dollars. Because a lot of the products that I might want to support, I really can't. Or or, or if I can, it's it's extremely difficult or yep. or I have to really seek it out. And, and I wish I could 
could say to people, oh, there's an obvious solution. I mean, I definitely know that some some smaller producers in the Seattle area are looking at finding ways to to kind of uh, partner together to sell product when and where possible. They're trying to get you know aligned with some of the restaurants that are still doing delivery and, and are offering beverage delivery as well. They're working to get in front of, uh, of local uh, grocery store chains that are smaller. But again, think about this, right? You know, one, one of the sort of uh, tent poles of being a buyer, as I was for years, is you taste with your representatives. You know, you taste with people from distributors, from individual producers. That's not something you do very, you can't really do anymore, right? Like it's not safe to be in close proximity to these people. Yes, maybe you can get a sample bottle and and that's a thing, although that's also an expense for the producer, although maybe one they're willing to take on. But it really does encourage and has encouraged this sort of mindset of we're not going to make any changes to our inventory. We might reorder because we're selling through things, but we're not going to bring in new product. We're not going to change our our product mix up. We're just going to kind of keep doing the same things we've been doing to get by. And that's fine on one level, but it really does disadvantage producers who don't have a massive distribution chain that's, that's you know, na- nationwide. Definitely. I mean, I think one of the best things that we, you know, Zach, I know that it's, it is like an additional step or two, but I do think it is worthwhile to uh, go on social media. If there's a brand you like, you know, you, you can look on their social media channels. Like right now, I just opened up my feed a couple minutes ago and there was a post from Privateer Rum and Maggie Campbell, who's the distiller there. You know, she's doing Ask Me Anythings. She is um, doing all sorts of uh, face-to-face, um, you know, uh, kind of interactions, whether they're Facebook Lives or what have you. Um, and I find that this moment... Distillers, winemakers, um, brewers are more available and more in front of their customers than ever before. Um, one of the episodes we have coming up on the COVID-19 podcast is with Dan Petrowski, who's a winemaker at Lark Mead and Massacan. And Massacan is a small winery that he owns. He said, you know, for the first time in his um uh, with his newsletter, he gave out his cell phone and uh, and um, people have been texting him and calling him and just talking with him. And while he did it out of, um, you know, really a sense of wanting to cut to to connect with his uh, consumers at the same time that has led to conversions and that has led to people ca- literally calling him to seek out where they can find his wines and how they can buy them. So I th- do think it is uh, a very useful piece of advice to Check your social media feeds, any brands you've had before that you like and that you want to support. They are more than willing to hop on the phone with you or to direct message you and tell you where you can find their product because there really is no good way that, I mean, I've researched, we're we're doing an article on it. We are trying to research what are the best ways to support your local businesses. And the best way we've found so far is to reach out to them directly. Totally. I mean, I, it really it really seems to be, the only way and it's the, it's the way that they if there even if there are other ways it's the way that they receive the most benefit right because no one else is taking a cut no one else is really involved as a middleman um you know it's just getting to them and saying like how can we help if we can and then it's supporting legislation down the road that helps people survive after this i think the biggest thing we need to really think about is like there's help now but there's also help that has to come at the end right and so once this is over and we've we've reopened how, what programs are we providing for people? Cause like there's a lot of breweries I love. There's a lot of like, you know, wine or wineries I love. I can't buy them all once this is over. You know, like I can't run and do everything at the same time, which is why, you know, I just keep stressing like we have to, we have to act with the government here. Like they have to step up because if they don't, 
you know, I am fearful that a lot of people that do not deserve to go out of business will go out of business just because like, there's just not going to be enough people who are going to come to go to every place they love right when this thing is over. Um, and so, you know, getting on your phone and calling your congressperson and calling your senator is really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also the only way that you can, as Adam was saying, sort of save this entire industry as opposed to a select few particular brands that you happen to care about. You know, it's important. You know, I think, look, there's a reality that we have to face here, which is that there's going to be, there already has been and there will be attrition that comes out of this. You know, any incredibly traumatic, stressful um, period of time, whether it's a just a purely financial crisis a health crisis or both is going to just inevitably cause some businesses, some producers that we dearly love to go out of business because it's just, there's no two ways around it. But, but for, for trying to keep, you know, the, 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 previous pre-COVID sort of landscape that I think we all really appreciated in this country, you know, a a really diverse set of producers of beer, wine and spirits, uh, the likes of which we'd never seen in this country prior. We have to, yeah, it has to be a, a community, but also a sort of national effort to keep those things alive. And it's not just with, with this industry, obviously there's lots of other industries where this is true, but obviously this is ours and the one we feel passionately about. And, and Adam is right, you know, buying, buying a bottle of wine, a a bottle of, of gin or, uh, you know, a six pack of beer from a local producer is, is one important and maybe slightly more rewarding immediately way to support them. But it is really true, you know, taking that time to to reach out to your um, congressional leadership to encourage people that you know, your friends and family to do the same. You know, that's the only way that there's going to be programs in place to keep these industries alive, not just during this crisis, but as Adam mentioned, afterwards, because there's going to be a lot of, you know, essentially, there's going to be a lot, it's going to be a long time before these industries really get back to, to um, full strength. Yeah, and I want to be clear here. Like, I'm not talking about just, you know, people might be listening to be like, oh, Adam's sitting here and he's talking about like handouts. That's not all that I'm talking about. I'm talking about the loosening of laws as well to allow people to continue to do the things they're doing now, right? So we talked mm-hmm. about this last week, but I'm talking about you know us lobbying our lawmakers to say, hey, like let's allow cocktail delivery to continue until people get back on their feet or for the foreseeable future or maybe forever, right? Let's allow for a lot of these restaurants to also sell their bottles to go, right? So like if I come into the, into the restaurant and I have a great bottle of wine that night, why can't I buy that bottle of wine to go at a 25% reduction in price or something from the list, right? Why, why can't I do that? Yeah. And then I can take it home and enjoy it down the road. Like this will allow people to bring in more revenue now. Like those are the things that we need to be talking about yeah. so that these, you know, businesses can find other revenue streams in the short term in order to, you know, make more money right when they open. And if we don't do that, if we just say, okay, everyone has to go back to business as usual prior to COVID-19, it's going to be really hard and we're going to lose more more businesses than we should. Yeah. And I don't think we can go back to business uh, until there's a vaccine. Like we, can, I don't think there's a real tangible path forward for a lot of businesses. I mean, imagine how how far you'll have to be spaced out to really meet those social distancing guidelines. A lot of businesses will not be able to accommodate that. So it's, I think, yeah, I absolutely agree that the the congressional and the governmental responses are going to be key to this. Um, but I think that, you know, even with, even with that, it, there will be a big culling of a lot of businesses that we, you know, love and support. Totally. Well, guys, hopefully the moral of the story here is, 
talk to your, you know, talk to your elected officials. Um, cause it's going to be the best way. You know, we, I know we talked about this, uh, a few months ago when it came to the tariffs and it's time now, again, if you listen to us then and contact your elected officials, thank you, please contact them now. Um, the hospitality industry as a whole, whether it's craft producers, like, like we talked about a little bit today, or just, you know, restaurants and bars in general, or one of the, it's one of the largest employers of people in the United States. So, um, you know, it's really important that we support this industry so that everyone can get back to work. Uh, so please, please, please call them and tell them to support the industry. It, it would be, it's vitally important. Yeah. hundred percent right. So thank you guys so much for listening as always. And Zach and Erica, I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Hang in there. Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast. If you enjoy listening to us every week, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. It really helps everyone else discover the show. Now for the credits. Vine Pair is produced and hosted by Zach Jabal, Erica Ducey, and me, Adam Teeter. Our engineer is Nick Patry and Keith Beavers. I'd also like to give a special shout out to my Vine Pair co-founder, Josh Mallon, and the rest of the Vine Pair team for their support. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again right here next week.